what we really need to celebrate before we get into today's episode is the fact that we are finally back in the studio together. I know. It just wasn't the same being remote. It was not. It was not. But safety first. Yes. COVID camp is over. Oh, I still got one at home, but I'm clear. It's out of his system. We just have lingering favors. Yes. Yes. All right. So we're on the road to recovery. Yes. But I'm still homeschooling. I do want to make a note of that. Yeah, we're. I think we're going to talk about that later, right? Yeah, for, yeah. probably make a good rant. Yeah. But let's get to our episode because this is one that we've had so many requests for. And this is, it's on thyroid health and thyroid imbalances. Yes. And this is a big, big topic. So we're just going to kind of chip the surface a little today. Yes, a little bite-sized piece. Yeah. And... We want to get feedback from y'all because if y'all want us to jump into this topic a little more and look at various types of thyroid disorders or foods related to thyroid health, we can definitely do that. But today, we're talking about how to know if you have a thyroid issue and signs of it. Um, And some signs that you, I bet, most people have never heard of because a few were surprises to us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and I think that it's important to start by saying that there is a lot more to your thyroid than just your body weight and your metabolism. Yes, that's what that's the first thing. I mean, everybody thinks Absolutely. when you hear thyroid, you know, you can't lose weight. Oh, it's your thyroid, you know. Exactly. Or, you know, have a friend who feel who you feel like can eat everything and never gain a single pound. She's got a great thyroid or great metabolism. Exactly. Or thyroid. Exactly. So you know, I'm I'm punting to you per the usual because you do such a good job explaining things as a professor. So can you break down a little bit more about like what the thyroid is and what it does in our body? Yeah. So the thyroid gland is the master gland of the endocrine system. And your endocrine system is essentially your hormones in your body. So the thyroid gland is really kind of the major one running the show. When it very, comes very to those, important. It's involved in all the other hormones, female hormones, all, you know, stress hormones, all of those. So um, it's one of the major ones in the endocrine system. Um, and I think it's helpful if you um, back up. <clears throat> I find it helpful to think of metabolism, your body's metabolism, akin to a motor running in the background of your body and a motor now i'm not good with with mechanical things and machinery but (laughs) i would imagine a motor must have a generator to run which in this case would be your thyroid so your thyroid is making that motor in your body run um the thyroid gland is best known for secreting thyroid hormones that influence your metabolism, specifically how um, quickly or slowly you burn calories, your ability to lose and gain weight, that type of thing. And like we said, that's how it's mainly known. But inflammation of the thyroid gland, for various reasons, leads to disruptions in those thyroid hormones. And that can cause abnormally low thyroid hormone levels or abnormally high. 
Yes. And essentially, I'll let you take over, but essentially that kind of have has a cascade of effects. Yes, it does. It ha- it has a cascade of effects and you know, let's remember we are the Happy Eating Podcast and so it does also have an effect on your mental wellness. So low blood levels, if you've heard the term hypothyroid, that's low blood levels of thyroid hormones. If you've heard the term hyperthyroid, that's high blood levels. See, it it is confusing. It's so confusing. And I think it's important for us to say up front, we are very much oversimplifying this. We are just giving you the basics of thyroid imbalances, disorders, signs and that kind of thing we are not going to go deep into lab values yes no there will be no diagnosing anything it gets so complicated like for certain types of hypothyroidism these two will be high these two will be low this will be normal it's so complicated and there are about five to twelve different thyroid related lab values that you can really look at if you want to take an in-depth look so we are we are oversimplifying the whole thyroid hypo and hyper but generally you are in one of those two categories categories you're either making too much thyroid hormone hormone or too little and so either way you're out of balance right your endocrine system your thyroid hormone is out of balance yes so your thyroid glands secretes your thyroid hormones as a part of your endocrine system which carolyn already said and that endocrine system is very closely connected to your nervous system. So again, any imbalance in any hormone levels is going to impact your whole system. And when I say whole system, what I mean is both your physical and your mental health. Yeah. And I, and I think it's important. Um, so the endocrine system is very closely connected to the nervous system and then the immune system. Those three systems are kind of dependent, codependent on one another. So if there's an imbalance in any of them, they're all going to be messed oh, up a little. Like a little thrown off. Yeah, a lot of whack, briefly or maybe long term. Um, but I say that because um, neurotransmitters are part of your nervous system. And you found this, Briarly. Yeah, and so you know, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast about the neurotransmitter serotonin. That's that feel-good chemical that plays a big role in, in our mood, but also you know, is connected to any type of prescription that you may or may not be taking, or it can be, rather, depending on the type of, of um, antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication you might be taking. So... The thing about that neurotransmitter serotonin is that your thyroid hormones are very closely linked to serotonin. So because your thyroid hormones can in, basically your thyroid hormone can influence your serotonin levels as well. So when you're that endocrine nervous system codependency. Yes, exactly. So if you think about it, if you now have your thyroid hormones are out of whack, whether they're high or low or, or whatever, because there is that codependency, your serotonin is also going to be influenced. And when your serotonin is affected, because your thyroid hormones are out of balance, this is why disruptions in thyroid health are associated with mental health conditions like anxiety and depression. And those are the two that when we looked into it, like I was familiar with the association between thyroid health and anxiety and depression. Those were the ones that really, 
I kept seeing repeated over and over. There weren't a lot of other mental health conditions specifically named. It's not to say they aren't influenced or impacted or whatever, but it really was a lot about anxiety and depression that we kept seeing in the literature. Yeah. And I will say, you know, a lot of times you will get more into the symptoms in a second or kind of list those for you. But a lot of people, when they hear hypothyroidism, where you have low levels, um, you associate that with like not being able to lose weight, like a slow metabolism and maybe being cold or being tired all the time. Um, But I will say I was shocked that when I was really looking at the research, really depression was like a top, top symptom for hypothyroidism. You can have anxiety too with hypothyroidism, but an anxiety was a top symptom for hyperthyroidism. So I was kind of surprised to find such a connection between mental health and thyroid disorders. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, I would say as someone who has hypothyroid. You do? I do too. You, you do? <laughs> See, look at that. We've been spending all this time together, and who knew? Sometimes you don't talk about all the prescription medications you take. Um, But I, you know, I never really knew there was a connection until until I started to experience anxiety. And then what I noticed, once I experiencing the physical part of anxiety and really realized that I had anxiety about four years ago, it was after that, once that was already like in my sense of awareness Mm -hmm. that I started to be able to see signs of when I thought my thyroid levels might be a little out of whack. Oh, wow. I'm not that in tune with mine at all. (laughs) (laughs) I am very impressed with that superpower. (laughs) Well, I did. I will say that if you look at my lab values over the last like two-ish, three years, there's been some some shifts for sure. And so yeah. I think that it was that I had a more extreme experience gotcha. that kind of helped me realize it. Um, and there were some other symptoms too that I've experienced that we'll, we'll talk about later. But um, <clears throat> well, I have to bring up to the inflammation connection because I mentioned the three systems, endocrine, nervous, and immune system i'm sitting here making a triangle with my fingers like people can see it yes yeah, so that so that you can remember your yes three parts my three and parts how and how they're connected. all yes and they all influence each other but inflammation is a response by the immune system and inflammation is tied to mental health conditions like depression and anxiety and can worsen them so you know you've got this these three systems that all influence each other so if you have the endocrine imbalance and then you've got the nervous system kind of thrown out of whack because of the endocrine well you're gonna have it's going to influence the immune system and that's likely going to be in the form of low-grade inflammation which can worsen both the other things yeah Yeah, both the other things and anything else yeah it felt feels like influencing Whoo! wow we are just a ball of fun news today aren't we this is why those three-way friendships never work (laughs) (laughs) best line i've heard you say in a while see this is why it's so good to be back in the studio together i know okay Okay. so all right i think we touched on hyperthyroid and hypothyroid in the sense that too much is hyperthyroid and too much is hypothyroid well here is where we have got to thank carolyn for digging deep into the science and also throwing a little monkey wrench in the whole thing. There are also subclinical versions 
of hyper and hypothyroid. Yes. And when we say subclinical, like, I mean, I know what that means, but how would you describe it in, in like a, in a basic okay. way? It means if your lab corp report or your lab values that you get, that report you get, if it doesn't say abnormal, then you don't have it. Or that's not subclinical. That, but that, that's your like clinical diagnosis. Yes. But. Yes. So if you are in the abnormal range, that is your clinical diagnosis. Yes, you meet the defined criteria for hypo or hyper. But let's say you're not technically in that abnormal range yet. Maybe you're at the lower end or the upper end. Um, that would be subclinical. And it kind of depends, i got to tread carefully here, it kind of depends partly on your healthcare practitioner and yes. how open they are to interpreting and looking into subclinical or values that aren't technically these meet the defined criteria for an issue, but you know, or at the lower or upper end of the range. Yeah. How did I do with that? No, that yeah, that makes sense. So you so you have the potential to be experiencing some of the symptoms and maybe have the other effects on your body, but you don't fall into that like perfect category of values to be diagnosed it says on that lab report it says normal right right technically in the normal range yes and one thing that we discovered is not only are there differences depending on what company is analyzing your lab work right Different companies will have different normal ranges. Yes. Ranges that differ slightly. And then I think saying differ slightly is like the key there because not crazy. I don't want people to think that it's like vast discrepancies, but there there's enough of some subtle differences. But if you have a doctor who is wanting to see very definitive results, normal or abnormal, then very slight variances can make a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Whether you know, yeah. you're treated or not treated, or your condi- your symptoms are considered part of a condition related to your lab values. Right, right. Can I share a personal story? Oh, I love personal. <laughs> you're kind of in stress, so I'm thinking this could be a really good personal I'm story. Like, I, I'm wondering if I should tell this story. I might ask Les to cut this story out of the recording later. Okay, so... Most recently, I went and had, or somewhat recently, I went and had new lab values drawn because I was concerned that there was something going on with my thyroid, in part because of some of the symptoms I was experiencing. Is this when you switched doctors? This is when I switched doctors, yes. Um, I switched PCPs. So I go, and my values came back, and they were ever so slightly you know, out of range. They fell within that that range, right? So they said normal in so your report, They said normal in my report. The nurse called me and said normal. So then I called the nurse back. I also have to add that Will... So she was like telling you, everything's fine, you're good. You're good, yeah. Okay. We don't need to make any changes to your medication levels. Okay. But you'd sensed some of that. You're so in tune with your thyroid, you'd sensed that things maybe weren't quite right. Me and my thyroid right. were thick as thieves. <laughs> Yes. No, my, my body, there were other things happening in my body that was telling me things were not quite right. And so I called back and I said, well, can you tell me what my levels were? So they, they, they tell me my levels. And I was like, huh, 
this still just is not adding up to me. And so then I said, can you tell me what my level was when you pulled it last year? And that was where I saw the big difference was that my levels had changed significantly from last year to this year. And I was like, oh, this is why I am experiencing all these symptoms, which was some weight gain, but that was not the part that bothered me so much. It was like issues with my hair, severe constipation. See, aren't you glad I'm getting so personal here? Um, But I will say that constipation inspired magnesium, Mm -hmm. Um, an uptick in like anxious episodes for sure. Um, While you are getting married, I was. Yeah, well, and but that's what the doctor said. Is she said oh, she wrote? Off she the bat. said, "Well, you just planned a wedding," and I was like, "Ma'am, my wedding was the second time around. It's was, not like the first. First, it was the second one. Second of all, it was like fifty people on a Sunday afternoon at like our favorite restaurant in Birmingham. Like it was not." Like my first wedding that was like 200 people, a weekend, like whole plan, blah, blah, blah. Totally different. I was like, so while I respect the fact that you think I'm like getting over the stress of a wedding, I'm telling you that was not that stressful comparatively. Yeah. So um, that's your old doctor. That's my old doctor. Now. But point being is I guess the reason why I got on this story is that I also think, and I don't have any you know, MD after my name to validate this. But I do think that there is the comparison of what is like, quote unquote, normal for your own body. Mm, right. And sometimes we don't have that baseline, but sometimes you might. And if you do, it might be worth exploring. Can you share it was you kind of got frustrated with a few other things. So you you switched to a new PCP and they ran lab values and they told you something different. Yes. About your thyroid, which I think is so interesting. And this is kind of why you have to Really being your own advocate if you think something is off. Yes. So they um, they told me the new doctor looked at my labs and also ran some – looked at my previous labs that had just been drawn and looked at some new labs. And um, his commentary was that he felt like my levels were okay. They weren't great. It wasn't ideal. But that they were okay. And he felt that my dosage was too high for a woman of my size, hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Anyway, so we continued. You know, he, he still was like, keep taking the dosage that you're taking. Let's see what these new values come back as. Well, the new values that he had run, I'd only been on this new, this new dosage for like a month. Is he looking at more like values than your other doctor? He looked at... I think he looked at one more, Mm -hmm. one extra one. Um, But anyway, he, those numbers came back and they, there was like zero improvement at all, like in, in my values, Mm -hmm. nothing. So then what I found out is that some people respond to, and maybe this is the part you're remembering. If not, you're going to have to tell them what you're remembering is that some people respond better particularly when it comes to thyroid medications, Mm -hmm. respond better to brand name only versus generic versions of thyroid medication. So I kept my dosage the same. They switched me to a brand name. Mm -hmm. Holy, just like unbelievable improvement in my symptoms. Really? Yes. I have heard that before. And I've also heard, or maybe I've noticed it myself. Maybe I used to be in tune with my thyroid. Um, But... Gene- generics 
aren't all the same. Like you may be okay with some generic thyroid medications and but some generic thyroid ones you may not be. Yeah. I, I all I can see that and I think that I don't know about generic in other categories because I only looked into thyroid after, of of course, because I'm the person that once they tell me something, I then go down the rabbit hole of researching Mm -hmm. as much as I can to learn. So I know that with that with thyroid hormone, it it and replacing your thyroid hormone. I'm probably going to regret saying this, but I heard a stat and I meant to go back and look it up. But um, this number, don't quote me on this number, but it was something like. A generic drug only has to have 70% of what the real drug has in it. Wow. It was something around there. I'm not too far off. I can't yeah. tell you source. I can't tell you the exact number. Yeah. And I meant to go back and look it up because I was like, that's shocking to me. Maybe like I would a generic should have to have at least like 95% or something yes. with the real one. Or 100%. Why can't we do 100%? Right. Exactly. But um, anyway, but I think... Thank you for sharing because I think this is really what we wanted to convey in that it's a lot of times thyroid issues are not black and white. And you really need to listen to your gut and you really need to have a provider that you feel like is looking, is listening to you and is willing to look a little deeper or look at the bigger picture. Yes, I I absolutely agree and switch if you don't have that exactly and and keep hopping around if you need to i mean th- i think that i think that it's really important to have faith in your practitioner whatever the condition is that you're dealing with so now that said we got into this whole rabbit hole that <laughs> i took us on because we were talking about subclinical versions of hyper and hypothyroidism and I think maybe what we didn't like the point we didn't really hammer home was that what we found was that subclinical versions of these can impact your health and and especially and your, mental health. your mental health. Yeah, you can have almost the same symptoms. You have the same symptoms a lot of times when you're subclinical. They just may not have reached that definitive number in your lab, yeah. in your blood work. Um, but one of the things that we definitely saw in the research, I feel like, um, with the subclinical versions of hypo and hyperthyroidism was the depression and anxiety. Yeah. And in fact, they've looked at individuals who have anxiety or who have depression and no known thyroid issues, but they've just, they've had depression or anxiety and they've just measured their thyroid levels and compared them to the thyroid levels to individuals um, who don't have depression and anxiety, um, compared them to their thyroid levels. And they are usually, the people with depression and anxiety, their thyroid levels are usually significantly lower. Wow. I know. Wow. So. And also, you, we were talking before we started recording that it's hard to tell in the literature which comes first? Yeah. Like, which is the chicken and the egg and, and that? Well, and it's so, and I think it's because of that codependency that the endocrine and nervous system have on each other. They just, they're so closely connected. And so any little change in one triggers is going to trigger a change in the other. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. But all that to say, trust your gut. And just because your lab value says normal, doesn't mean 
you couldn't benefit from some kind of therapy or medication or, or whatever. Or doesn't mean you don't need a closer look if you don't if you yes. have symptoms that you think could be related. Yes. So we've mentioned anxiety and depression. Should we go through some of the other symptoms? Yeah, and let's some of them are weird. I don't want to say weird. Some of them are odd. Some of them are ones that you may not necessarily think about. No. But that, I know or that you would consider with another condition not Hyper yeah. or hypothyroidism. I know one of them. I feel like there is an epidemic of hair loss right now. Oh, my gosh. Yes. 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 And thinning hair or your hair always falling out is a sign. I think it's primarily a sign of hypothyroidism, low thyroid hormone levels. But I think it can be associated with any with any thyroid disorder. But I don't know about you, and I feel like it came about. I know, I think. I haven't looked at the research, but I feel like there is some, or maybe it's more anecdotal, that people who had COVID, they feel like they lose hair for a while after. Have you heard that? No, I hadn't. What I have heard anecdotally from a couple of just, I want to say like hairdressers, but also just people kind of like knowledgeable in that space, Mm -hmm. that they've said since the pandemic, they've had a lot of, they've heard a lot of people talking about struggling with Yes, hair loss. that is when I mark it, is early 2020. I feel like ever since then, anyone I talk to is like, I, my hair is falling out. Yes. Now maybe it's my age. <laughs> the people, the ages of the people it's, I hang around with. <laughs> that's such a good point. I didn't think about that. We're hitting the female baldness <laughs> stage of life potentially here. Yeah. But, I mean, your hair has a long, like, I guess it's called a growth cycle, not yes. the right terminology. Yes. So once you get on medication, sometimes people feel like, oh, the medication, my hair's still falling out. It's making it fall out maybe worse. you got to give it some time because your hair, you know, that hair that's falling out now, right. you know, it's been growing a long, long time. So, right. yeah. Exactly. It, to- it totally throws off the whole cycle. Well, the other thing, too, is that one of the other symptoms is anemia, with like with hypothyroid, right? Like and so, iron? Yeah. And I so didn't realize that. It is. And and so the that also impacts your hair as well. You're right. Well So it's like a double whammy. Anemia can also play a role in making you always feel cold. Yes. But and I think this is a symptom that a lot of people know or the cold part is. But if I I mean for years I was cold no matter where I went. Same. And Same. I still I still bring several layers because I'm not very nice when I'm cold. So I'd rather be prepared and take stuff off. Yeah. Um, but it that has gotten significantly better for me. And like, in fact, I'm like, oh wow, I'm actually hot. I'm so excited. You're so excited <laughs> that you're hot. But always being cold or always being hot. As uh, as an article I read stated, it's kind of like your thermostat's broken. Like everyone else oh. is normal, feeling feels like the temperature's great in the room you're cold or you're hot yes so yeah. that's, that's a, a great way to put too. your thermostat is broken yeah, your I thermostat's like broken um we mentioned depression along with depression because sometimes you know depression there's other factors in there that you just kind of group into i just don't feel great or i yes. just don't you yes. know like fatigue yeah being tired low energy low motivation that's tied into your energy levels and um, lack of sex drive, all of those are very much signs of hypothyroidism. But again, 
they could also be signs of hyper as well. But a lot of those are what you see associated with hypo. Yeah. And and you don't necessarily see them associated with depression. Some of them, yes, but right. not necessarily. Right, right, right. And on the flip side, feeling jittery, feeling anxious, feeling just maybe kind of unsettled, mm-hmm. even having your heart, some heart racing. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be a sign of hyperthyroidism. Um, Because, again, going back to the motor, since I'm so into mechanics. um, (laughs) She's a good old mechanic now. You got that thyroid hormone is driving that motor in your body. And so if you've got too much hormone, then you are in overdrive. You are kicking it. Yeah, you are going real fast. Uh So that's it makes sense that you'd be jittery or anxious or it may cause your heart to race. Versus people with hypo... Their motor's in slow-mo. Yeah. They are cold. Yes. Lethargic. Yes. Sleepy. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention is back with the cold and hot, your thermostat being broken. Did you know that a lot of times people with hypothyroidism will run a subnormal temperature? No. I noticed this for years in myself. Like I would, um, I might feel like I was maybe had a low fever, but it would always be like 96.5, 97.3. Huh. And I I looked it up getting ready for this just to see, like, is this, am I crazy? Like, but, yeah, a lot of times you will have not, nothing dangerous. Right. But just a slightly, you know, normal is 98.6. And so you may run something in the 90, upper 96s, 97s. Yeah, that's interesting because that's usually how I run. And if I hit see? 99 and, and I feel really crummy and I'm like, I'm only 99, I'm like, yeah, but normally I'm like 96 or 97. Yes. Yeah, oh, I never thought about that. Yeah. Because I've been running fever. I hadn't run fever in years until I had COVID. And it wouldn't be that high necessarily, but I felt like crap. And I thought, am I just not used to fever? Yeah. Or no. am I still trying to do all that I do with fever? Maybe. Well, you were. Yeah. You were. That too. There's that. <laughs> you, you weren't slowing down and letting your body rest. Yeah. Um, we talked about hair. Uh, thinning hair, hair falling out, um, but there are other other I don't know beauty things that are impacted like dry skin, brittle nails. Um, the like you know I think those are sometimes things that we just we just deal with all the time. Like oh my skin's always dry, or oh I just don't have strong nails. You know what? And I think that's what. All my research in inflammation has kind of told me, not saying these are related to inflammation, but what I'm where I'm going is if you look at inflammation, all these little things that we deal with on a daily basis, like, oh, my digestive tract is upset, or I've got more skin breakouts, or this kind of aches, like those are red flags that something is off with your body. So again, dry skin, brittle nails. I mean, you're not going to call the doctor to get my nails are brittle. Right. They keep breaking. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't no. keep my manicure, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? My skin's really dry. The lotion I've always used isn't working. You're not yeah. going to do that. But, again, those are little signs that something, that homeostasis, the equilibrium in your body is just slightly off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, another big one, uh, we were just talking about smaller ones, but so one of the big ones that I – that I think is important to talk about is not being able to get pregnant is is a big one. Like struggling with I don't want to say infertility because I feel like to me that that 
narrows the scope, but just in general, like challenges, getting pregnant, staying pregnant. Um, and I, and I remember my own personal experience. Um, I switched doctors again, actually. (laughs) And the new one, you know, she had said, she was like, even though this is the normal range of where, thyroid you know we want to see your thyroid hormones Mm -hmm. because you are struggling in this department she's like we want to tighten it down a little bit more and I want you in this part of the range Uh instead I like her um and then as you know as we have been working on this episode I did find stuff that said that for you know women trying to get pregnant the Mm -hmm. recommendation is a, a narrower you know window basically interesting Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I know TSH, which we're not getting into lab phase, but that's one yeah. that doctors should be looking at, um, is associated with some of your female hormones, like your uh, follicle-stimulating hormone and PCOS and that kind of thing. I don't, I can't tell you the connection off the Right, right. Off but the there, cuff, but, but there yeah. is some type of, like, connection associated. Well, and that's what I have to remember. This is, researching this was a good reminder that all those hormones are interconnected just because like they're female hormones or male hormones or stress hormones. They're all, they're all cousins. Yeah. <laughs> just one big old extended family. Yeah. So, okay. And then two things that were surprising, I think they were surprised to both of us, oh, yeah. but are really good to know because um, these symptoms or signs can potentially increase your risk for heart disease. Yes. Um, and we are in heart month right now. Yes, we are. Um, But that's high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And I did not know that those were associated. And, you know, when we ran across those in a list in some research, I assumed, okay, high blood pressure, that's got to be associated with hyper. Your body's in overdrive mode, working too fast. Um, But actually, it's associated with both, hypo and hyper. And then high cholesterol, um, people who have hypothyroidism, so low, um, are more likely to have high LDL, the bad cholesterol, hmm. and high triglycerides in their bloodstream. Yeah, I had no so idea. So going untreated long term, um, if you have a thyroid, if you have hypothyroidism in particular, going untreated for a long time could potentially increase your risk for heart disease or yeah. heart issues. Yeah, it. Which, and I think it's interesting to think, too, like, if you already know that you have hypothyroidism, that, you know, oftentimes I will go get my levels tested and I'm just like, I don't, I just did cholesterol like a year or two ago. I don't need to do it again. Well, now you can, I, I'm going to go do it again next time. Um, I know. I kind of like collecting them now. I know. It's kind of nerdy. <laughs> Looking here, I feel like we're going to have a... A get-together where we look at our lab values, like, well, what's yours say? And what's yours say? I know. I know. Because that's how we like to nerd out. Well, it is. What's most interesting is if you have them, even if there's big gaps in time, look at the trends. Yes. Overall. Yes. I mean, the trend is really what helped me most recently. And even though it may say that you're in normal range... You're at the upper or higher end, close to being abnormal, or even not that close, but just you're not where you probably should ideally be. Um, it never hurts to ask your healthcare professional to take a closer look. And if they don't, go get you a new one. Yeah, seriously. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I can get fired up on that. So I know you can, that. you can get really fired up on yeah. that. But but it is it is something to get fired up about. Absolutely. And and I think too when you and I were preparing for this, you made a good point that you said you don't necessarily have to go seek out an endocrinologist. An endocrinologist is is someone who is well versed in this topic. But sometimes finding a practitioner who is, you know, experienced in hormones and the you know the connection of your triangle now i'm making the triangle Mm -hmm. you know experienced in that area even if they're a general practitioner yeah i see an internist and she has a particular interest in hormones female hormones but also thyroid just adrenal your stress hormones she's just and she sees primarily women because i think um you know, a lot of times it's it seems like women are the ones that have more hormone imbalances, and whether it's female or not. Um, and a lot of times they um, don't necessarily a closer look isn't taken right at those right. Well, and and females are actually at a higher; they're more likely to have thyroid issues than than men like statistically speaking they are more likely well if you think about our hormones are all over the map every single month yeah you know yeah so i mean the the female ones are but because they're all cousins that's going to influence the other ones i need a different analogy than cousins but you know what i mean that's okay for now the hormones are cousins they're all hormones okay they're all housemates because like if something is wrong with somebody in my house, yes. it's gonna influence the other two. The others. Good point. Yeah. Good point. They're all living together. Yes. They're all cohabitating. Cohabitating. Yeah. Whew. All right. Okay. Well, I think we covered everything. I think we did. But y'all let us know um if you have an interest in thyroid health. If you want us to go deeper, if you want us to like do a deep dive into hypothyroidism or hyper or graves disease um some of the autoimmune um conditions, conditions. out there yeah. yeah yeah or what you want to know or if you want us to do like a breakdown of lab values kind of just quick here's what you need to know we can we can buckle down and do, and that. do that research yeah. yeah well and we can also find an expert to come in and and, yeah. and explain it from a different perspective too but this this particular episode was very much fueled by a little bit of interest on our part. And then when we threw it out to our Instagram audience, there was a very, very large interest. So yeah. thank you for the feedback. Yes. Keep it coming. And we will talk to you next, next week. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us for the Happy Eating Podcast. I'm Briarly Horton. And I'm Carolyn Williams. If you liked this week's episode, then don't forget to rate and leave us a review on iTunes. And be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a new episode. We can't wait to have you back at our table next week for a brand new episode. Bye! Bye. The contents discussed in the Happy Eating Podcast, such as advice, studies, text, graphics, images, and other material discussed or presented on the site or podcast are for informational purposes only. Content is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your mental health professional or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding your condition. Never disregard professional advice or delay in seeking it because of something you have heard on the Happy Eating Podcast. If you are in crisis or think you may have an emergency, call your doctor or 911 immediately. 
If you're having suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK, that's 8255, to talk to a skilled, trained counselor at the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you are located outside the United States, call your local emergency line immediately.